Let's just praise the name of Jesus. Praise his name. Praise his name. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to touch those that are sick, those that need healing in their body, those that need a miracle, those that are facing all of hell coming against their life. May they tonight feel the power of Jesus' name. May they tonight experience the power of that name. And Lord, we thank you that the power of Satan is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ and the name that is above every name. We speak health, we speak healing, we speak life. We thank you for healing. We thank you for miracles. Yes, miracles in the name of Jesus. If you agree, then give him a mighty praise right now. Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And that is the great Jensen Franklin as he's leading his congregation in prayer. And that's what prayer sounds like, the expectation of the supernatural, the availability to the resources of heaven that's, that's promised to us by God in the Bible, in the Word of God, and transcends all our understanding, transcends all the ideologies of man, even even in spite of some of the knowledge that, that many have regarding the Bible, okay, and how they interpret and how they translate and how they view the Bible, where um, the supernatural is, is not even available. Prayer like that, prayer of power, prayer of expectation, prayer of a, of a, a desired end is not even offered in many, many of the Christian circles because the gifts of the Spirit went out with the apostles. You cannot declare. Uh, you cannot prophesy. Prophecy is not is not uh, necessary because we have the six canon. Uh, we have the canonized books of the Bible, and therefore um, there's no longer any progressive revelation, or there's no need for God to speak anymore because God has spoken. And so um, I, I ran into a few. You know, and the reason I'm coming at you with this is because we we have been we have been taught how to be Christians in principle, but not in practicality. In other words, we we know it's true. Miracles are true. God can do anything, but we don't expect him to do anything. We don't expect to see anything. We don't expect it. And that's not the, that's not the nature of prayer. Na the nature of prayer is the expansion of the natural realm because of the supernatural words, the supernatural promises, the supernatural thoughts of God that infiltrate your mind, your heart, your spirit, and you declare them. You come, you come into agreement with God. You come into agreement with the plan and the will of God for your lives. Again, this is this this time of prayer that we're going through. Um, uh, we're going to be touching on those elements that cause prayer to explode, to cause prayer to become a central part and a thrust within your lives of of dedication and commitment 
to God, that you cannot live without him. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot function nor be animated without the Zoe and the Zao life of God in you. Okay. It's important for us to function in prayer, to understand the power of prayer. And there you had Jensen Frank. That's why I put it. I put it how he prayed, how he declared the expectation of the supernatural, the expectations of the miracles, the expectation of divine provision, the expectation of of uh, defeating the assault the assaults of the enemy that have come against us you know i know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood okay but against powers and um, powers and wickedness and rulers in high places i know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but sometimes evil takes on the form of flesh and blood and it embodies flesh and blood, and they're, they're the demon possessed, and those that are being used by the enemy and not knowing it. And yes, we have a very difficult task, and that's why we pray. That's why it's important to have a prayer life. That's why it's important to understand what it takes to be a vessel of honor. I'm going to talk about this today. A vessel of honor for prayer. I didn't I didn't forget the prayer model, but I wanted to add this portion to prayer as you begin to become a vessel of honor you become begin to understand the the infrastructure that it takes to have a powerful prayer life with God and have a dialogue there, listen there there was there's a there is a um um a teaching okay and even a stance against the voice of God okay the uh the Southern Baptist uh, Convention churches, uh, the um, some of the Reformed theolo- theologians, Reformed theology, uh, they are stuck on the canon and they are stuck on that God is not speaking anymore to anyone at any time. So never say God said, and they don't believe that prayer is we die is a dialogue and not a monologue. They don't believe that. They, they believe it. It's a monologue. We just pray to God and he doesn't answer us. He doesn't have to answer us because everything is in the word of God. And so we'll get into some of those um, intricate points in the future. But I want to talk to you today about reading the red and praying for the power. Becoming practical in what you read. Becoming becoming applicable. An applicator of the Word of God, and not just a a what I would call a reader of the Word of God, and one that accumulates information, one that accumulates. But how do I assimilate it in my life? How do I pour this out in my life? And so, one of the one of the most powerful things we can do is read the red, because the red is what Jesus said. Because we are disciples of Jesus, we're going to read the red, and then we're going to then we're going to pray for the power. We're going to ask God to demonstrate the power of God that He declared in His own Word towards us, towards the healing of the sick, the deliverance, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Again, many many have different perspectives because of of how what they refuse to believe they can't translate the text correctly they can't they can't do it they they don't want to parse the words because it's all in the favor of a speaking god a leading god a guiding god a god that never leaves you alone a god that a god that causes that speaks to your heart on a daily basis that speaks to your mind that speaks to your soul that leads and guides you into all truths and and so so the, the 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 track that they're on 
as far as those that, that do not believe in miracles, signs, and wonders that God even speaks to you. They think you're crazy. They think, uh, again, John MacArthur and um, uh, Vody Bauckham, and I can go down the list of, uh, there's a gentleman by Boyce and Washer, and, and a lot of these guys that I will study, or you can study certain topics from them. Fidelity to the word, sola scriptura. You could you can study certain things and topics from them. How they how they translate certain Greek words. You can translate some of those things. But when it comes to pneumatology, when it comes to the demonstration of the spirit, when it comes, they are out of their league. They are way out of their league. And um, again, so just because, and, and it's no fault of that. Listen, listen. Nobody has it all. That's why you need to you need to be able to have thick enough skin to listen to all all perspectives and then allow the spirit of God to help you navigate through all that because again uh, John MacArthur if you're in the John MacArthur movement the sensationists that that say that God got the spirit of God does not move today like he did in the day of the apostles dispensationalists those that say that God moved certain ways at certain times there's no supernatural anymore there's no need for God to speak anymore this is what you are up against this is what you you're hearing out there this is this 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 is what comes against the charismatic or those that move in the spirit. Those that are filled in the spirit. Again, they don't even think that you're even born again if you believe in the spirit. If you go on YouTube, uh, there, there's certain, uh, there's certain, um, certain uh, YouTube channels, I, I believe, especially this voice guy, um, that he, he got one saying, why are, why are charismatics so weird, right? Why are they so weird? And so, again... You're going to have to grin and bear it because, yeah, some of the things it does, you know, I wouldn't do, okay? But I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in tongues. I will I will do that which is biblically. Again, some of the things are personality-driven. You know, Benny Hinn and, and, and some of the others, you know, uh, Kenneth Copeland by some of their expressions and, and some of their, um, some of their uh, antics, okay? Uh, you know, they, they get criticized for that. Okay, and um, rightly so in, in the natural. But what are the results? I mean, look, if you look at Benny Hinn, and I just want to touch on this for a second. Okay, Benny Hinn, in spite of his humanity, in spite of his failures, and in spite of, of uh, the media coming after him, and even many of the, uh, many of the theologians on the, uh, on the, um, uh, on the, uh, sensationist side, those that don't believe in the move of the Spirit, nor healing, nor deliverances, or miracles, those that have uh, the Reformed theological perspectives only, that have criticized the move of the Spirit, especially Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn was able to, to pack the um, stadiums all over the world in spite of the... Con meaning, in, the, in other words, you can fool people so long and then the and then the fraudulent ways and I can go down I can I can give a list I can give a list of men of God that that started right got popular and then started playing the game of uh, secret information those that play with the prophetic those that play with the uh, with the healings and miracles and those that 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 stage healings and stage miracles because they have to stay sensational instead of staying supernatural and allowing the more natural to overtake us again Benny Hinn, for for the majority of his ministry, 
Okay, and I don't follow him. I don't read his books. I think I think some of his theology, when it comes to to even the move of the spirit, is a lot of empir- empirical knowledge, meaning that which is his experience, and that's fine. That is fine. He had experiences of the move of the spirit, but that man has been able to sustain the move and the healing and the deliverance ministry for years and years and years, and he's still at it. So the sustainability, you can fool people for so long and then they'll stop coming. But he continues to thrive in the healing ministry. And that's important to note. Remember when when they told uh, uh, Gamaliel, when they confronted him with the disciples about preaching in the name of Jesus, they wanted to silence the disciples. What did Gamaliel tell him? Hey, if it's of God, it's going to last forever. But if it's not of God, it'll die out. Don't worry about it. Right? Same thing with this. And so the move of the Spirit, the need for God's power, the need to understand the Bible correctly, the need to interpret and translate it correctly, the need to have power in our lives. If the if the early church needed it, we need it even more. We need, we need the hand of God in a deeper dimension, in a, in a greater way. And so I want to talk to you today about prayer, about the posture posture of the heart, about the infrastructure of prayer, the things that must be in place to declare the power of God, to declare the promises of God. It's it's important to, to make the first things the first things. What are the priorities? And so we're we're going to look at this dynamic of foundational uh, positioning. What must be going on in the heart? What must be going on in the mind? What must be going on in the spirit? When you when you look at biblical models, and again, don't look at don't look at business models, don't look at leaders, look at your Bible, look at the Word of God, look at what Jesus did. After all, He's the one that saved you, He's the one that saved me. Let's look at Him when He approached the temple, okay? Because this is telling, this is real telling to the power of God. This is real telling to the purposes of the church and the purpose, purpose of we Christians, Okay, those of us that are born again, those of us that declared declare that Jesus is Lord over our lives. This is this is fundamental to that. So I picked this scripture here over here in Matthew 21, 12 through 17. Very familiar scripture. It's written in the Synoptic Gospels. You can find it in other in in other other the, the gospel writers. Uh, but I picked Matthew because it's a little more succinct. And um, we lay this narrative out, okay, of prayer, of what Jesus declares over his church and what he declares over you and I. Watch this, okay? It says, Then Jesus went into the temple and drove out all those that bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those that sold doves. And he said to them, I, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Let's stop and let's analyze this right, right there. What this, this, what this really lays out for you and I in, in the purpose of prayer, because don't forget, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Okay, don't forget, he was in the temple. He was in the synagogue. He was, but this, this is the temple. Okay, he was in the temple. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
That's what Corinthians tells us. That's First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, 16, 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Okay. If any man defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Again, I'll get into that Greek text for you because it's important to understand that. But here you have what Jesus' perspective of the temple, the purpose of the temple. The purpose of the temple was to be a place of prayer, a place of a place of communication between you and God, a place where you communed with God and communicated with God and you sought the face of God is in prayer. Is in prayer. It's where the voice of God makes an imprint in your heart and in your mind and in your ears. You get tuned to hear his voice. You begin to have intimacy with him. That's why he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So God wants this to be a place where the the concerns, the things that are up front in your heart are brought to him, where he can deal with those things that are, that are concerning you. So when I look at this, this template, the first thing he does is he begins to drive out the things that are unnecessary, the things that were not needful, the things that were not that were not useful for the kingdom of God. And, and again, many many people uh, you use the the church platform for many things: for publicity, for for the self esteem, for pushing their own agendas, for relationships. They're doing all those. Things. Those are all doves. Those are all doves. The purpose of the church, the purpose of the ecclesia, those that are called out and called into the body, is for prayer. My house shall be called a house. Oh, oh, an okio. That's that's Greek for a home. An okio of a place, a dwelling place, a place of congregating where people supplicate to him, where they entreat God, where God entreats his people. It's the, it's the tent of meetings, if you will, that you find in Moses, in the book of Exodus, the tent of meeting where God would meet with his people. Well, Jesus comes out and the first thing he says is all this extra activity, all this stuff that you are calling and you are, you are doing in my temple is 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 unclean it's it's unprofitable it's no good it has nothing to do with me and he begins to clean it out see one of the things that 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 you you'll find in prayer is the fact or your lack of desire for prayer is that you just got too many things you got to start turning over the money changers the things that are consuming your life the things that that are driving you away from the purposes of God in your life which is communion in prayer which is communication with God through prayer. It is the place we go to church to pray. We go home to pray. Everywhere we go, we, we should be in communion with God. And so you're going to have to turn over some tables. You're going to have to, again, these are things that you're going to have to take out. You're going to have to, listen, some people say, well, I want God, I want God to remove this person. No, you probably put that person in. You move that person out. You started that habit, you get rid of that habit. You started those things, you get rid of them. You have to desire these money changers, these these doves that you're selling in your heart, these idol, you know, Paul calls call, call Paul calls the the uh, church of Corinthians and 
the Athens in the book of Acts, he calls them idolaters, that men are idolaters. Men, men have created idols in their hearts. Those are the dove tables. Those are the things that we sell, the things that we worship, the things that we depend upon for sustenance. He says we have to have put first things first. First things first. And he says, first things first is I got to get rid of all this stuff. I got to get rid of all the carnality. I just got to start binding my flesh. I got to start rethinking how I approach the kingdom of God, how I approach the Savior, how I approach my walk with God. I have to rethink those things. Amen. Amen. And he says, for my house, again, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Now, again, that that that's 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 some language that needs to be understood. The reason he used a den of thieves, he didn't say he he made he made them um, he made them a a, a merchandising uh, center that you turned my church into a store. But he called it a den of thieves. Why did he call it a den of thieves? And the reason he called it a den of thieves, it's because it is where thieves can come and feel no conviction for their sin. It's where you can actually go to church and continue in your adulterous ways or continue in your fornicating ways, continue in your drunken ways, continue in your backbiting, your gossiping, your deceitful. And you go to church and you feel no conviction to change because the church you go to is a den of thieves where thieves can feel comfortable in the temple. I know that's a hard word, isn't it? But if you want to, if you want to get back to biblical fundamentals of prayer and effective prayer and the the supernatural being alive in your life and being alive in the in the church that you're in, you're gonna have to get rid of the money changes. You're gonna have to turn over some tables. You're gonna have to create some. You're gonna have to create some some movement of things that need to go out and so the things that must remain will remain. And one of the things that must remain is the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the prayer. It's prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer, a temple of prayer. And so today, I again, I just wanted to drive you a little bit closer to prayer and have you understand, consider your ways. If you have no desire to pray, if you're not in a posture in your heart to where you, you desire to commune with God or you, you are pers- um, uh, pushing back on spirituality. Guess what? You have some tables in your heart you need to turn over. There's some doves you're selling that you that uh, that you're um, that you're you know hiding behind your back. There's some there's some uh, there's some things that need to be cleaned out of your life. Maybe maybe relationships that are not correct. Turn them over. Things that are turn it all over. Turn them over. Because we want to begin to read the red. That's what Jesus said. Okay, most of your Bibles have the words of Jesus in red. So we're going to read the red and pray for the power of God over that the, over those words. We're going to believe the red, read the red, and pray for the power of God. But God began, but Jesus begins to clean out the temple. And I and I think that is one of the proper uh, perspectives that we have to take in our in our journey towards prayer in 2022 is get rid of the stumbling blocks, get rid of the sins that so easily beset us, and get rid of them in whatever form they come in, in whatever, in, in however it attaches itself to our soul, in however it attaches our, itself to our mind and 
and manifest in our body. We must turn them over. Listen to what he says. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. Now watch this. Once he cleans the temple, here's the powerful part. Once he cleanses the temple, look what happens. Look what happens once he cleans the temple, once he gets rid of all the the hindrances, once he gets the church back focused on what it needs to do, once you get back focused on what you need to do. Listen, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. You have a demonstration of those things that could not move began to move. Those, Those that were sick now began to become healthy. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, the children cried out in the temple saying, Hosea of the son of David, they were in, indignant and said to him, do, do you hear these what these people are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, you have, you have never read out of the mouth of babes, the nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city of Bethany and he lodged there. What is what is the, the picture that you see here? You see a reorganizing of, of the church. You see those things that, that are ne- unnecessary. Those things that are man-made. Those things that are programmed. And get back to the fundamental power of prayer. Reading the red, praying for the power, and cleansing the temple. Get back to the fundamentals. Don't complicate your life with programming. Get back to the simplicity of cleaning things out, knowing, and this is what's so dangerous about this culture, what they they have redefined as preferences. No, sins. They're not preferences, they're sins. The Bible calls it exactly what it is. And you have to get back to a biblical definition of behaviors that are pleasing and unpleasing to God. Those things that draw you closer to God, you you have to get biblical. You can't look at the culture and say, well, they're doing it, so I guess it's okay. I don't care how big the mega church is. The question is, if they're comfortable in their sin, it's not a church, it's a den of thieves. It's a place where thieves can hide. It's a place where where sin can be easily... um, um, habitated with in your life. You must be careful. If you have no conviction over a behavior in your life that you know is wrong, biblically wrong, you refuse to read the Bible about it. Then you're in a church where, and your pastor is building a, a den. It's a den. You must get back to preaching the gospel. You must get back to reading the red and praying for the power. And when you look at this, this uh, very p- important perspective, I'm getting back to why don't I want to pray? Well, you got tables in there. You got doves flying around. You got other things going on. You're too busy. You're merchandising. You're socializing. You got way too many things going on. But that's why we we have to understand and get back to a biblical definition of what defiling is. They See, they were defiling the temple with these things. And Jesus turned them over. They were defiling if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17, I told you we we're going to get there. Because again, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to make sure that our temple is clean, to make sure that our temple is right, to make sure that we are managing our temple, that it that our temple is a house of prayer, that it is a place of worship. Listen to what it says. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Go back again. Go back all the way into... Um, 
Solomon's temple as the Spirit of God fell in the temple. Again, think of those things because this is the picture that Paul is drawing on. He's he's picturing Moses in the tent of meetings, the tabernacle, the the tent of meetings. He's giving you this temp. He's giving you this template of how to how to how to imagine the presence of God in the life of the believer. He says, "Know you not that you are the temple? You are autos. That's personal." That, that's you. That's singular. That's you. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he dwells in you. The living place of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. If anyone defiles. I love the word defiles. Pithero. This, this is what this word means. It means by moral influence to deprave, to corrupt, to defile. To pull away and to make a waste of. So they were wasting the church. They were wasting the temple. They were wasting everything. Because they neglected prayer. See, when we neglect prayer, when we put other things first, guess what happens? We begin to defile our temples. We begin to, we begin to figuratively and more uh, figuratively and, and sometimes actually fall into moral depravity we begin to go away we begin to we begin to erode from the inside out that's what this word defile means know you not that you are the temple and if anyone erodes their temple god will destroy him listen you can't make you can't make this stuff up because i know that's not nice that's not nice Oh, I'm sorry. That's not nice. I, I mean, God is love, and no, He said, "Listen, listen to the words that He's using. The word destroy means to untie and to loose and to dismantle. Okay, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. It's other. It's different. Which you are the temple of. Wow, wow." So reading the word, reading the red and praying for the power. We want the blind, the blind to see both, both in the natural and both in the, in the spiritual. Those that are blind to the truths of God, we want them to see it's going to take prayer. It's going to take the power of God. <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to take, it's going to take, it's going to take the power of God and through prayer to rehabilitate those things that are lame in our lives. Those things that are broken, those things that need to be fixed to rehabilitate our marriages, to rehabilitate our relationships. that They may be lame right now, but through the power of prayer, we can see them reestablished again. Listen, don't defile your temple. Don't defile the temple. When, when Jesus saw the defilement of the temple by these various aspects of the doves, and all of a sudden, those that were in sin, those that were in sin can actually come into the temple without any remorse, without any conviction, without any perspective of getting right with God. Guess what? He kicked them all out. He had to reestablish it because we are building a church, not a den of thieves. We're building a church, not a den of thieves, where people can come in and feel comfortable about their lifestyles that, that, that's, um, that's anti, uh, anti-Christ in nature. We're not going to do it. We're going to get biblical this year. 2022, we're going to get back into prayer. Amen. And I like what Thessalonians says. Thessalonians brings us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Small little verses. Small but powerful. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. 
Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all every form of evil. What's he talking about? The eroding of the temple, the eroding of of your relationship with God. Do not quench the spirit. The word quench, okay? The word quench means to 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 put out, okay? So if you're on fire, you want to quench something, you throw water on it. So if you don't believe, if you if you don't believe, again, the word quench or 1 Thessalonians has to do with how you believe. Okay? Because right away, he says, do not despise prophecy. How do you look at prophecy? How do you look at the word of God? How do you look at preaching? How do you look at the prophetic word? If you despise it, okay, it quenches. Test all things. If you refuse to look at the truth, if you refuse to, to, to look at objective truth and test, test the philosophies of this world. To, listen, they can't. The world and the culture, they can't go up against the, the objective truths of God's word. Test it. Ask the question. How? I mean, I, I love what Psalms 100, I believe it's 100, uh, 100 verse 3 says, Remember that it is God that made man, not man that made God. Remember that. Test all things. When they start telling you, well, a man, a man is a woman, a man is, look, stop it. Stop those things. Test all things. When you, when you are going to quench the spirit, is when you start following the philosophies of race theories, of uh, critical race theories. When you start following the gender confusion, um, you start going into all the perverse things and incorporating them. You know the LGBTQ movement, and you start flowing in that thing. You quench the spirit because you refuse to test everything by the word of God. And the word of God is your standard and we will not compromise that because we stand in truth and in truth is the power of God because we're going to read the red and pray for the power because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And so when you start refusing to test, test what they say. We are living in a culture that has gone crazy and and the church has to learn how to recapture the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen. So don't quench it. Don't throw water on it. Don't put it out. See, you could put it out by not testing things, by not questioning the culture, by not questioning why why they're doing this and why are we doing this in the church. Do not, do not, do not ever stop questioning things. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And again, he talks about Christian conduct. Conduct matters. How you believe matters. It's connected. Conduct is connected to how you believe. If you believe there's no consequences, you live willy-nilly. If you don't believe that, that God will destroy the temple, if you defile it, come on. I, that's a whole different teaching. The disciplines that it takes to hold passion and desire together. You got to discipline. You just can't. You can't keep eating uh, yum yum donuts every night, and you can't sit, sit, sit there eating a gallon of ice cream every night and expect to and, and expect your health not to go wrong. You got you've got to do that which which is favorable in your sight. It's going to destroy your temple if you keep doing that thing. And so. Uh, I'll finish here. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger. So now, so here is the behavior. You want to grieve the spirit? It's your behavior. It's your personality. It's how you view things. It's your perspective of things. Let all bitterness go. We got too many bitter Christians and they want to move of the spirit. And they're probably the prayer warriors at the church that are praying, but they're all bitter in their personal lives. We need a, we need a revival if you will, to the reading of God's word, to the turning over the dove tables in our personal lives. Get rid of all those tables, those all those places that are that are unholy and ungodly in our lives. Don't give ourselves permission to, to be that way. Submit ourselves to God. Watch this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. That means, listen, even all the potty mouths, those of us that that, that uh, give ourselves permission to cuss and, and to speak ill behind people's backs, put all that stuff, it grieves the spirit. It grieves the spirit. Because with all malice, if you're malice, how you say things, your attitude towards people, it grieves the spirit. And be kind one to another. Again, be kind. Be kind. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This is the posture of beginning to to get the power of God flowing in the church. Believing that prayer is, is necessary. Why? Because Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He calls his temple a place of prayer. He's calling you a place of prayer. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not despise it. Do not do not destroy it. Do not do not tamper with it. Do not dismantle what God has put together. It's very important that we start getting back to the fundamentals of Christianity and say that my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, it is a temple of prayer. I must learn to pray. I must learn to get turn over all the dove ta- all the all the tables that they're selling doves in and they're merchandising, all the busy stuff that goes on in my life that's unproductive, is not moving me towards Christ. I need, I need to refocus it and I need to turn it over because I want the lame to walk, the blind to see. I want to see the miracle power of God. I want to pray like like a prayer like Jensen Franklin did where he declared the miracles and signs and wonders and 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 healings and deliverances and and divine interventions for his church. When he begins to declare that, he's declaring because they are people of prayer. They are people of order. There are people that have turned over dove tables. We're going to have to get fundamental before we have fun in Christianity. Well, God bless you. We love you. Jesus is Lord, and we will talk to you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.